Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. One of the best Twitter follows in Alberta's craft beer scene is Kurt Pearson's Watershed Brewing. From humor to hot takes, Kurt's finger is squarely on the pulse of craft beer. His shenanigans have also earned him thousands of followers and media coverage on the CBC. So let's get into it. Kurt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Glad to be here. How's it going, dude? Uh, it's good. It's, uh, you know, it's COVID. It's maybe winding to a close and it's uh, some light on the horizon. So that's good. I think they just announced that in two weeks. So by the time this episode airs, we'll be able to get our second shot. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have mine booked on Wednesday. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, again, I, I, I got the jump because I'm, well, I yeah, right on the edge of uh, morbidly obese, which is an interesting concept when you're, everybody's shocked, including the nurse that gave me the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Our craft beer hobby is paid off for once. Yeah, indeed it has. Yeah. I guess for people who don't know you or don't necessarily follow you on Twitter, can you kind of give them the elevator pitch of what Watershed Brewing is? You know, I get asked that all the time, and I don't even know how to answer it half the time because I'm not sure I even know what Watershed is. There's been several times where I've stopped and said, you know, I need I need an ethos. I need a, a mission statement for Watershed. And then the ADHD takes over, and I just go back to, you know, tweeting garbage and uh, irritating people. And But no, I, Watershed is... Uh, I'm kind of the mascot for Alberta craft beer, maybe to lack of a better word. I, it's just a, I'm connected with everyone and I kind of try to just love up on the industry as much as I can. And large in part because of the people, people that get to know me, even through the Twitter feed realize pretty quick that, you know, I'm doing this just to, just to connect with the people who are putting their necks out for, for beer and making good beer. And I mean, yeah, beer's a, beer's a good part of it. That's uh, I guess that's always something, but I think it's just the, the drive to connect with the industry and with the people who are fans of the industry. And sometimes I've just been that stepping stone between, you know, some guy that just likes beer and I'm like, Hey, you know, do you want to go hang out with this brewer or at this brewery? And people get really excited about that chance. And I kind of been that opportunity. I remember it's a few years ago now, but right when we were starting to build our Twitter presence and I was getting to know people outside of the Saskatchewan craft beer scene. Mark Heisey said to me, Hey, you got to pay attention to what Kurt has to say. You got to follow this watershed account. It's really funny. The guy has some hot takes, but he's also not stupid about craft beer. Like he actually knows what he's talking about and he has insights that could actually help home brewers or consumers make decisions. Yeah. And I, it's never, again, it's never been intentional. I guess that's kind of just who I am. I'm a, I'm a nerd, an unmotivated nerd. If I get into something, I get into it heavy for a day. I learn enough to be dangerous. And then I slowly build a knowledge base that matters to me as I move forward. I'm really quick with Google. So, you know, I'll throw up 20 tabs and I'll come up with an answer for someone in 30 seconds. And, you know, you fake it till you make it. But yeah, it's, it's something that's been, I don't know, whenever I got into this whole thing, I've been drinking craft beer since the late nineties and it's, you know, been fun to watch the whole thing grow. And when it exploded in Alberta, I just was like, I, I got to get in on this somehow. And apparently this is how. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the name Watershed, that comes from your own homebrew setup, isn't it? Yeah, I would, the, a place that I formerly lived at, there was a like a shed beside the house that had my pressure tank in it. And I have a, like, I've had various iterations of branding of things to do with my life that were, I had the people's liberation army of Northern Alberta. And that was a whole t-shirt line I sold. And it was because of some crazy old guys in Slave Lake that I think they actually believed it. And so I'm like, well, I, I'm going to start this. And then I'm like, Hey, I need to brand my home brewery. And I literally had just made my first beer and I'm like, this needs a brand. I'm like, Oh, I brew in that shed. It's a watershed watershed and i'm like ah people might associate it with you know rivers in the environment other people might just think it's stupid that's eh, perfect we'll go with that and then it just kind of stuck <laughs> do you remember what the very first beer you brewed was yeah it was a uh well the same thing half the world brews it was a uh oh come on it's a fat tire clone a fat tire clone fat tire clone was the very probably in about 2011 i want to say that i actually brewed was probably then i was drinking fat tire in that time that sounds about right i think i think everybody was drinking fat tire in 2011 (laughs) (laughs) what are you uh brewing now um we just did i don't know i any chance i get i'll just brew kind of whatever people for the for the obsession that i have with beer people are always surprised at how i brew a lot of the time i'm got water in the kettle and start heating it and then start poking through the inventory and coming up with a recipe for whatever it is that I have stuff for. And so it might be a new England. It might be a stout. It might be a barley wine, just depending on how things look in the cupboard that day. And, uh, and then the trouble with that is, is if I hit something really awesome, a lot of the time I have no idea what's in it and doing it again is almost impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Do you keep a fairly meticulous list of notes or? Uh, Yeah, I do. I no, I do. Like I use, well, I was always on Beersmith and I moved to Brewfather, which if people homebrewing are listening and you're still hanging on Beersmith, jump into Brewfather and give it a couple of weeks because good grief, it blows the doors off of Beersmith in almost every capacity. And it's that now I've got everything kind of logged in there. And the nice thing is I brew, I kind of shut down my own home brewery and we built kind of a monster system on my buddy's shop and it's uh it's so nice because we can just fire recipes back and forth on the app and build stuff back to like together basically track inventory everything and so it allows me to kind of be remotely connected to the fact that i have a contract brewery now instead of a home brewery (laughs) oh i wasn't aware you were contract brewing well, kind of, because we, we we put this system together, got a deal of a lifetime on a full three-vessel electric fancy, and uh, he said, why do you still have stuff in your basement when you can just brew here? Like, it's 10 minutes from my door, and it's in his shop, and so I sold all my home brewing gear, bought another dirt bike, and now I just drive over to the neighbors to brew beer. And so, yeah, we just, we just banged out a New England that was kind of loosely based off of cabin super, super saturation, and then uh, did an oatmeal stout as well. But uh, the reality of that oatmeal stout is, is I called him and I said, I'd really like to get this stout done. Here's my ideas. And then he called me like a week later and he's like, hey, that stout's in the fermenter. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of contract brewing on a homebrew scale. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get to mess with and have a lot of fun with the local Alberta breweries. Do you have a favorite story that you will never ever forget from your Twitter shenanigans? Oh, 
Well, I mean, the the thing that got this whole thing rolling beyond me just going, I'll just have some social media for the sake of, you know, basic narcissism, the thing that took it to pure narcissism, um, I had, I was, you know, this is the whole story that got this whole thing going. I was, you know, excited that Alberta craft beer was slowly happening. And when Toolshed decided to brew out in BC to import their own beer back into Alberta, I caught wind of it early and I followed it really close. And I was just going, this is like the first small brewery to pop up in, I mean, I've been drinking Big Walk and Wild Rose and uh, Brew Brothers and, you know, Village, I think was out at that time. I mean, there was not that many. And, and so I was super excited about a small brewery. And so they brought their first, I basically was on Keg and Cork's hot call list. And the second you get tool shed in, call me. And then I had kind of hyped it up at work that there's this new brewery. So I drove straight up to Edmonton when they came in and I cleaned the shelf out. Everything they brought in, I brought back. And then two weeks later, I did it again. And because uh, I had a bunch of people interested and I wanted it for myself. And Graham and Jeff got wind of it. And I, you know, I'd been tweeting about it. And I saw this post on Facebook that said, hey, there's some crazy craft beer fan of Wetaskiwin that's buying all our beer. We want to say hi. And so I just said, hey, that's me. And literally 45 minutes later, because they happened to be doing a sales run in Camrose, they showed up at my house with a pile of beer and a handshake. And it just made me go, holy cow, there's like people behind these businesses, real people. And I mean, we, we hit it off, Graham and I, you know, brothers from a different mother, a lot of weird things. We have the same last four digits of our phone number. Like it just kind of, it's one of those weird things. And, uh, and I was actually talking with Graham and he goes, did you know that, you know, we had made a conscious decision not to tweet about that. We wanted it to be about meeting somebody and not make it about our self-promotion goes, but then you mentioned it and I tweeted about it and probably put it on Instagram and other people saw that and they landed liquor depot because of that, because I, you know, blew up. And it, so like, that was kind of my biggest connection was like something I did, some little stupid thing I did ended up a small business getting a massive account and able to, you know, probably feed their family for another week. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of my biggest ones. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of stupid things. I've, uh, I've <clears throat> a certain brewery that we don't mention by name. I've had certain security type people at beer fest remove me from the presence of their booth. Oh, I just, no. I, what did you I just, do? Oh, I just had questions, very pointed questions about Wisconsin and, very things. I wasn't being angry, but then some big dude stepped in front of me and said, you, you should probably go now. And, uh, that wasn't social media. Me, me in real life is much like me in social media. I'm, uh, I'm not small and I'm not afraid and I don't know how to shut up. So it's, uh, it's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, you were talking about how much a fan can make a big difference to a small brewer. And man, they really can. Uh, I always say we have the best fans and it kind of becomes cliche when you're trying to appreciate the people who have really made a difference in your life, especially when it comes to business. Cause it, it's, it can be a greasy cliche. You hear musicians say all the time, we're the greatest fans in the world. And it's like, no, really this guy, his post on social media landed us uh, a massive account a massive sale or turned on like 2 million more people. Like we had a, a dude on TikTok posting about rebellion beer a couple weeks ago and he got millions and millions of views. 
and I was I it blew my mind. I was like, man, we can't afford to put anything in front of millions and millions of people for any amount of money. We we just don't have that kind of leverage. We're lucky if we hit two to ten thousand people with a viral post and here's this guy completely blowing it out of the water at two million or three million views, still yeah. climbing. And I I called him up and I was like, Can I give you a care package? Can we give you a hat and a t-shirt and some stickers just to say thank you? Like we don't have the means to show how grateful we are, but you made a huge difference. And he was like, no, I was just having fun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like he was so humble about it. He's like, I'm just a fan. I just like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was wild. And so guys like you who truly love this thing, yeah, I can't say enough. It's just, it, it does mean the world to us. I joke, uh, you guys are putting my kids through college. Yeah. You know, and it's, and that's part of, that's a big part of why I do it. And I mean, I'm, I'm such a people person. COVID has put the brakes on that. I mean, family life put the brakes on a lot of it, but I've met so many people by literally walking in the back door of a brewery. And like, there's breweries that make a joke about like, I don't know if Kurt's ever been in our front door. I don't even know if he knows what the tap room looks like. And, uh, and it's just because I'm like, if I walk in that door and, you know, a lot of, I, I, I made brewer shirts, like, you know, blue Dickies brewer shirts with watershed logos on them. And so that gets you through a lot that gets you into beer fest past security in the back door quite often. If, uh, if I have to be perfectly honest, they don't even look for a wristband. They just see a brewery t-shirt and you're good to go. But then, you know, I, I've met people that way and shook hands. And then I find out that they're already aware of watershed. So then you walk in with that on and, it becomes a conversation and I'm like, I, you know, yeah, I'd like to try your beer, but I came back here to meet you guys. Like, that's why I walked in the door and that's why I'll, you know, run my mouth for the next three months about your business on Twitter, because I just met you guys and you guys are cool. <laughs> I mean, if the beer sucks, I'll probably be awfully quiet about it, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to celebrate successes very loudly. One of the things that is near and dear to my heart is a proper quality hat. And I see your watershed hats and I'm just like, man, how do I get one? How do I get one in my hands right now? And you said it's not quite yet. Well, it's a bit of a story. There's this uh, cilantro and chive, this restaurant in Lacombe that has been a uh, unfailing supporter of Alberta craft beer from almost the day they opened. We, uh, Riley and I developed a very dangerous relationship where I say something stupid and he gets really excited and then we spend money and uh, and make it happen and uh, so now I was you know I had my own website for a while and then all of a sudden we decided to sell merch through cilantro and now watershed merch is really only available at cilantro and you know if you ask really nice they'll put it in the mail and maybe in the future I'll step it up but the reality is sending somebody a 25 or 30 dollar hat with 18 dollars shipping in Canada really slows down the desire for a not trying to make money business to send stuff out places. <laughs> That's true. Our average order costs 15 to $20 to ship. So when people are making a, a purchase on the store and they're within the Regina area, I might physically just call them up and be like, just come to the tap room, save yourself 20 bucks. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a, I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably only 24, maybe 30 of those original brewery watershed shirts that I, you know, I had a local shop make for me and every one of those and the first set of hats I ever had done, those were all delivered by hand. If you were wearing my gear, we'd met, we'd shook hands. And that was kind of my whole thing behind it was like, yeah, it's cool if you want to represent 
whatever this is, because I don't even know, but we got to meet, we got to sit down for a beer. Like if you're going to wear my stuff, I want to know who you are. Like, not that saying that if you're a dick, you can't have it, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, I just want to, I like people. And then a, a friend at a, a auto in Edmonton's another great restaurant that supports beer, has great food. And he sent me a picture the other night, one of their regular customers that has been, you know, confined to patios and whatever. He sent me this picture of him wearing one of my original watershed hats. I'm talking six years ago. And he said, do you know this guy? I said, no, I, I don't have no idea where he may have got that hat, but that is amazing. And like the dude was pushing 60 and wearing my watershed hat. I'm like, this is great. So, yeah. Well, I feel like if you see a watershed shirt or hat come through the tap room, it's kind of like a secret handshake now. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, I mean, I never ever thought of it like that. And it kind of, for a while, it definitely was that when like, I mean, I have a friend that specifically, if he goes on brewery tours, he wears his watershed gear and he's like, you wouldn't believe the amount of guys that like come out from behind the bar or from outside the brewery and like, Hey, you know, Kurt. And then he said, and then I end up with free beer and I'm like, don't abuse my good name for free beer. That's my job. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. as vanity projects go, that's pretty sweet. Oh yeah. No, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, a type A outgoing personality and like admittedly a narcissist and it's not been good for that. Like I, and people, some people have assumed, you know, like who is this guy and what's his business in that? And then eventually we meet and they're like, okay, well, you're not just doing this to, you know, get yourself likes or if people knew how little I looked at Twitter and Instagram, it would blow their minds. Cause I have like, I put such little effort in, but it's just like, I can connect with people. If, if I, if I zero in on one post and I interact with that person, I'm like, I just connected with somebody and that's cool. And I mean, you'll, if you look at my Twitter, I follow like maybe 500 people and it's just a, like, I'm like, yeah, if you want to follow me, that's cool. But unless I've sat down and had a beer with you, chances are, I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> it's this is the this is the me not holding back that gets me in trouble on on social media. <laughs> I do value that kind of like face to face piece. So if we're sitting there having a beer, I think that's a much a much more enriching experience than um, having like a tweet go viral. I could I could give a crap. I would be much more excited to have a one on one with a customer at the horseshoe who was like, "Oh hey, I listened to the podcast." Or I, hey, I saw your picture on, on Rebellion. I saw you were repping some new shirt or something like that. Then to just be back and forth on like a, a viral mega tweet or something. Oh, it's, yeah, for sure. Feels more yeah. ego driven than real. Yeah, and that's been me. I mean, even, I mean, that's my, that's been me my whole life. Like my buddies got into, I'm going to date myself, but uh, like when Xbox Live first came out, you know, they're all sitting there playing Halo and whatever. And if I was in a room, with another guy, even headsets on with other people, I could do it. If it was one of my buddies down the street, I could do it. But as far as sitting down with people I didn't know and interacting like it's social and I just, I check out and like got into online poker. And if I knew two of the guys at the table were my buddies from town or wherever, I could sit down at the table for hours and play and chat, or I could sit in the same room. But as far as sitting down by myself with people I didn't know, it's like zero even drive to stay like I got three hands in me and I'm out and uh it's yeah it's like I need social 
social drives so much of what I do that if it's not there, I just kind of check out and I'm in my own little world. When it, reflecting upon what you just said, I think that's what makes tap rooms so great, like really well-designed tap rooms. You can share a pint with a stranger and connect with them on some level. You can have this really great conversation in a corner, dark corner of the tap room over a couple pints. And that's been gone. That's been lost. Uh, you know, 15 plus months of restrictions. Yeah. Just last weekend, I saw five friendly faces that I hadn't seen in over a year because they were staying home. They were social distancing and they were sitting on our patio and every single one of them said, I've been waiting for the patio to come back open. I've been waiting for restrictions to lift and I miss them. You know, do I, do I hang out with them every single day of the week or are they family? No, but I missed that piece. Even as an introvert, I was like, Oh, I, I missed my guys, <laughs> my big oh, guys. Absolutely. Well, and that's like, and social media for me, like I have made so many friends, acquaintances through Twitter. And I mean, central Alberta, at Saskatchewan people that I've met, like, I mean, there's guys out there like, like Mark Loschuk, I have spent hours conversing with Lawsy and we've never met like I, for all intents and purposes, the guy's a friend, but we've never met. And, um, and, but with Alberta, I always had this thing where, yes, I will interact with these people. And then I'm going to find them at beer fest. I'm going to find them at cilantro. I'm going to find them somewhere. And so we can make this face-to-face connection. And then COVID just destroyed that. And so now I'm like, I've got this list of people that I'm like, how do I have beers with all these people now? This is getting out of control. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lazi used to work at rebellion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great dude. I was just chatting with him on Facebook about beer last week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure- such a small world. I'm glad you know him. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it's, yeah, I've probably overwhelmed him on occasion when he's like, yeah, I do like counseling stuff. And I'm like, Hey, I like you. I'm going to talk now. And you know, through Twitter or through messages in emails or whatever. And it's been, yeah, I don't know if he knows this, but he's like been this distant counselor for free for the last like two years. <laughs> Cause he listens. He's, he's a good listener. <laughs> he has like really good advice. Uh, I was telling him a story about my kids and he offered up some observation and I was like, man, you, you're really good at this. Oh yeah. It's just got a good perspective on things. So in terms of circling back to exciting beer from Alberta, what are you drinking lately that people should check out once restrictions lift? Well, I don't want to blow up Outcast slushy beers any more than they're already blown up. And also because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But the reality is, is that I stopped by the tap room shortly before I wasn't allowed to anymore. And the first thing Patrick did when I walked to the door was dump one in the glass and shove it in front of me because there had been a few texts of me running my mouth about it. And I was like, okay, fine. I get it. Yes, these are going to sell a billion. And holy crap, is it ever good? So, yeah, that, I mean... When people, especially my like, you know, hesitant craft beer friends, when they're like, what should I try? And I'm like, oh, just go to Sherbrooke and see if you can find or go to see if you can find these slushy beers because they're so stupid, but they're so ridiculously good. (laughs) 
yeah i i mean again like i i feel like i can be outspoken about my opinion on a beer and the reality is you can't deny its uh, impact on the uh well even on the bottom line for outcast they did not expect that to do what it did and i mean that's usually my advice i i you know i follow it's always my friends breweries guys that i really appreciate guys that i talk with occasionally or on a regular basis when somebody asks me what should i try and lately because you guys got here i'm like you need to go you need to go find some rebellion they're like what kind i'm like i don't care you like beer go find it and you'll probably like whatever it is you buy and you know i kind of have that opinion that you know anybody who likes their steak well done deserves a hot dog and so if somebody's like oh i just really like stouts i'm like hey we're gonna drink ipas until you get it that's my new game and so like i I, I just refuse to accept the like, oh, I only like this style. I'm like, no, you've only been trying that style and you haven't had me cram it down your throat until you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I try to say to people, we just haven't found the style that's for you or how many versions of that style have you tried? Is it just like the basic industrial bland version of it or was it somebody who actually did a good example of the style oh yeah the ongoing sega of watching kevin kent of knifeware like at knife nerd on twitter of watching him trying to i I will legitimately accept the guy doesn't like sours because he has put a concerted effort into consuming and you know there's some that tweak but i'm like okay fine you know what i'll give you a pass but when somebody's like, I don't like stouts, and I'm like, okay, you don't like Guinness, let's go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's such a, a tiny sliver of what possibilities that, say, the style could offer. And I feel that same way about IPAs when I say, if all you've tasted is something that sat on the shelf for five months at room temperature as an IPA, that wasn't what the brewer intended. You have to drink it fresh from the source. And also and, if it was in 2001, that also doesn't help because then it was a hundred IBUs of tongue shredding joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think when people get to have that freshness right from the source, it opens their eyes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's my, I mean, I'm a, I'm a packaged on date or I don't buy it guy. Like I get religious when I'm shopping and then when people come to my house, like I'll tolerate this beer because I know how old it is, but there's no way I'm going to make that their first experience with a beer. You know, if I'm like, Oh, there's this, there's this, have you had this from cabin? And they're like, no. And I go grab the can. I'm like, "Mm, maybe next time. (laughs) They're like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, nothing. I just, I want you to get it. And you're not going to get it at, you know, nine months old. There's something going to be missing. And so it's, you know, it's my own personal mission. And I'm the guy that's calling breweries as I'm wandering through the liquor store going, do you know what's on the shelf in this liquor store? You, you, you need to fix this now. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something that we've really been trying to renew and work with consumers and speak directly to consumers, not to retailers, to say, buy product that is refrigerated, look for the best before dates, make it a habit to look at when it was packaged and when it's best before uh, fresh is best kind of motto and to say it's like kombucha or it's like cheese or dairy you wouldn't buy a milk that somebody stashed in the middle of a shelf and is at room temperature you just wouldn't buy that milk you'd know something could go wrong with that milk it's not going to taste great same thing for craft beer if it's not pasteurized 
it needs to be handled and stored properly. So I really appreciate your commitment to that. Um, it's something that we are going to be rolling out and pushing out much more aggressively to try to educate consumers to say, if you're buying beer that's been sitting on the shelf for six plus months, it's not going to be what our brewers intended. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No. And I, I mean, and there's sometimes when I appreciate the fact that the liquor store, I mean, I've, I've scored a few, I, it was a 2016 barley wine from a BC brewery that I, and it was, this was probably, it was three years old at the point, maybe four. And I reached up on the top shelf and the first thing I pulled down was a bomber from Wild Rose that was a year old and it was a one-off release. And I texted Jonas from Cabin was brewing so Wild Rose at the time. I said, did you guys re-release 42? And he's like, uh, no. I'm like, okay, I will not be buying that bottle. And then uh, I stumbled over this barley wine and I went up the counter. I'm like, ah, this beer is like three years old. I said, I'd still take it, but any chance you can just kick it out the door for what it costs you? And she's like, oh, is there any more? It's like, well, there's a couple bottles. She's like, just go get all of them and I'll just get them to you for, and it was just like a few bucks a bottle. And I was dancing on my way out the door, but that's a, that's a, that's a rare occurrence. (laughs) I think you could get away with a barley wine being a little bit older. Well, based on my cellar, I better be able to be. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, barrel aged sours, the Flanders, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's always like exceptions to the rule or caveat. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm primarily I'm talking about like hazies and and oh, IPAs yeah. and those big kind of like wave of beers that are hitting the market now that people really care about fresh well, and best. There was a blip and I don't know what was going on. I mean, when trading was kind of maybe starting to slow down and and you know cellaring was it was going back to just something the nerds did and uh, and there was like this wave on the internet of like people cellaring IPAs for months and years and i'm going what why like it may be drinkable after a year but you're not going for drinkable like i want to be laying under the bright tank with that falling in my face if i have a choice although some of these hazies are better after two weeks i'm not gonna lie (laughs) hot burn is real yeah we have noticed that too with our hazies give it give it two weeks to calm down let that acid kind of chill out a bit yeah, it's the it's the pendulum swing of I gotta get it so fresh, and then you get it so fresh, you're like, okay, not quite that fresh, but still fresh. <laughs> Golf swing, you gotta know the timing. <laughs> yeah, right in there. I guess the other one I wanted to tell you about is our brand new Flora Borealis beer. Ooh, have you heard about this yet? No, should I? I'm almost when somebody asks me that, I'm almost ashamed to say no because I'm like, oh, I'm up on this stuff, and then I'm like, eh, it's a brewery in Saskatchewan. I'll I'll. I'll take it easy that I don't know yet. <laughs> don't feel too bad. We only launched it last week. It's been very quiet so far. Basically, uh, what it is, is designed to be a northern Saskatchewan beer. A company approached us last year called Boreal Heartland, and it's First Nation Indigenous-owned business, and they said, we have a bunch of ingredients from northern Saskatchewan, and would you be interested in making a beer with them? And we kind of sat back and scratched our head and said, can we? Like, not should we, but can we and how do we? And they settled on doing a Gruit featuring uh, Sweet Gale, Yarrow Root, a couple other herbs. And all of it very just select from northern Saskatchewan uh, boreal region. Wow, that's because I'm glad that you stepped in with what that description was because I already had a how do you put plaid smokes and Oakleys in a can. 
love that. <laughs> and then, no, not that my my rural Alberta sensibilities are uh, much different than anywhere else, but. <laughs> I think you can get away with that joke. I don't think I could get away with that joke. No, I, I realize that, that uh, I've, I've somehow blended, very carefully blended the line between all my city friends and all of my country friends and uh, somehow managed to plunk craft beer squarely in the middle in a way that everybody can appreciate it. <laughs> One of the other cool things about this beer I kind of was excited to show you, I'll show you in the camera here, it's got the Northern Lights and Saskatchewan Prairie Lily. And it's all these little references to Northern Saskatchewan. And the artist, her name is Rianne Setti. And she's from the Air Range area, way up north. Yeah. And we knew we wanted to have this feature, the people of the community, as much as possible. So we reached out to their, um, their arts people, their galleries, and they said, you know what? You should talk to Rianne. She can do some really nice art for you. And she's just been a total treat to work with. And then we said, we also want to give back to the community. And how do we do that in a really intelligent way that's authentic? So what happened last summer, I don't know if you remember, but there was a activist named Tristan DeRocher. And he marched all the way from the north down to the legislature and he camped out on the lawn having a fast and he basically wanted to raise awareness about self-harm suicide prevention mental health treatment and care he made this big stand and he got a ton of media coverage and he was also just a really gentle soft-spoken dude and we said why don't we ask Tristan who we should donate money to or who we should help out from up north and he recommended to us a group called men of the north so they they do a lot of programming up in the north basically around mental health and he's like go talk to these guys they're the real deal we called them up and they're like okay we'd be they they like interviewed me they vetted us they said are you somebody that we can trust like it wasn't just cash a check and hand over the money and run away with it they they really wanted to know we were authentic and not like scam artists. A, a, par a partner, as it were. <laughs> yeah, real authentic stakeholders. So it was, it was cool to kind of have that whole process going. So when we sell this beer, proceeds from those sales will be going to Men of the North. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I'm in the Wetaskiwin area and, you know, we we have our fair share of stuff and there's people that there's people that work so hard on it and the supports for, well, especially in mental health. I mean, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a massive part of my life to the point where I've, you know, checked out of worrying about everybody else for the last five years because I've had so much going on in my own, my own world, my own family. And I'll tell you, like, I mean, that's part of why I'd latch on to, well, even you guys and, and Mark and his genuine, no BS attitude about, you know, like he's a, he's a meme, he's a walking meme. And yet he's so real about what he's passionate about and not real in like, I'm going to yell about it on social media, but it's like, no, I'm going to do this and send money to these guys. I'm going to walk into, you know, meetings with the city. I'm going to make change. And that, I mean, that's the honest reality is, is I got hooked on rebellion because I can't look away from red and black. I have like an addictive, I just get attached to red and black logos. And I first saw your guys' logo. I don't think the tap room was even built. 
and started following and then following Mark and watching the way that he approached everything. And I'm just like, this dude is the real deal. Like you can be a character as much as you want, but your actions are very obvious in how you behave. And that just was like, yeah, no, these guys are solid and I'm, I'm a fan for life. And I mean, I don't know how long it was before I even got to try your guys's beer. Like I, I was a fan for long. And I think Jeff, when he was still with Toolshed, was down visiting and Mark sent him back beer for me. And, but that was like years after I had started following you guys and like anybody going to Saskatchewan, like you got to go to Rebellion Regina. They're like, is it good? I'm like, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe that somebody has literally walked in the tap room and said to me, Kurt from Watershed sent me. I, th- I think that's happened, but I can't remember. I just, I feel like it has happened. There's a good chance when you're like, I, I deal with this whole ADHD thing with the good thing is, is that the second somebody says something, it triggers a flood of things. And usually they just all come out, but you know, anybody says Regina and I'm like, you like, they like beer. They're going West. They need to go to rebellion. Like they just have to. And then usually when I tell somebody they have to do something, you're like, well, Kurt's sure excited about this. We should probably check it out. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been, I don't know. It's been positive that way. <laughs> if somebody doesn't care that it costs $25 to ship a hat, how can they get a hold of you guys? How can they get a hat or a shirt in their hands? I'm sure that if they hammered on me and Slancher or Riley enough that we would, you know, somehow make this thing happen more available online. And I know I get a lot of, I mean, a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, if, you know, if this isn't really a business for me so much as it's something I'm partnered and involved with, but at the end of the day, the money's not coming out of my pocket to fill racks with hats at Slancher. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a limit to how much I can be like, we should do this online, Riley. And at some point, I'm sure he's going to be like, tell you what, you take your 10 grand and fill your hat racks full of hats and you start a website. And uh, again, but I mean, if somebody really wanted gear, you get a hold of me, I'll figure out a way to make it happen. I usually do. And uh, I just sent a hat down to my cousin in Lethbridge because I've been promising one for like four years. And so, yeah, it can happen. It's just uh, not easy at the moment, but it, uh, it can happen if somebody really wanted to rep Watershed and... Uh, Again, for reasons I'm not entirely sure why. Oh, you do. Yeah, we can, we can, we can make this happen. We'll, we'll get it sorted out. <laughs> uh, for audience at home, I just pointed to myself in the camera. <laughs> What's next for Watershed? Oh, it's the same as it always is. Just get up and see what happens and go to bed and think about what just happened. I honestly have no plan for this at all i started i got friends that run social media companies and they're going oh you know like your plan posts and you're looking at your reach and on i'm like so what now no i open my phone in the morning i scan through twitter if there's something i can yap about i do if i walk down to my fridge and some new beer grabs me i tweet about that and apparently i do it enough that breweries notice and fans notice and uh you know we i do want to expand i would love to get a website going that was actually you know moving merch around and getting it out there more than I mean I think I think Riley told me that a lot of their watershed merch the staff have bought and now every time I see cilantro staff pictures they're all rocking watershed merch and it just it always shocks me because I have you know no idea as to what the are you still there yeah oh I got this you lost your network connection in front of me oh no still going okay cool I lost your feed 
yeah, no, it's, it's always just shocks me that people are into this because I'm kind of unaware of how, you know, much of an impact it may or may not have had. I'm, I'm definitely not thinking that I'm the, uh, I'm important in any way. And then, you know, people tell me stories about how what I've done has, you know, impacted their business and I'm just stoked. I'm like, well, I'll just keep doing what I do then. I'll just keep being me. It's, uh, I, you know, I don't ever consider myself an influencer. It's just a, uh, it's just me being me. And, you know, people that have known me in person my whole life know what I am. And when I turn that into social media, Hey Rebels, we lost uh, internet connections, so Kurt had to switch devices. Here is the end of the interview. You know, I have this kind of pseudo partnership with Riley at Slantra and Chive. I made a joke a long time ago about I'll sell you half of my fake business. And, uh, and somehow that's kind of turned into a partial reality. You know, and I don't honestly know what that looks like. And then the other project I've kind of been working on, we kind of started a no coast uh, brand and just kind of a celebration of, uh, you know, of prairies and prairie life. And uh, it's kind of started to kind of take a little bit of traction. So I've been putting effort into that with uh, with Kim, uh, the other owner of uh, Cilantro, Riley's wife. And uh, we've kind of been working on that together and it's been a lot of fun and uh, graphic design and all that. It gets, I get fired up about it. It's, uh, you know, still trying to find time to invest in kind of that stuff. But as far as moving forward, yeah, just the same old, same old, I'll throw t-shirts and hats at people. I just sold a doghouse on the weekend. Turns out the guy followed me on Twitter. And so I gave him a hat when he left. I <laughs> I love to hear it, man. I, I appreciate your support. I love your energy and vibe. I hope people who listen to this episode do check you out on Twitter. Cause I think it is a worthwhile follow, not just in terms of getting a laugh from the memes, but also an opportunity to learn a lot. I think you have a lot of good knowledge to share. And I guess ultimately I just want to say thanks for your time today. Hey, no worries at all. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been called the, uh, like the, the Alberta craft beer evangelist, and the, uh, the crowd, then the homebrewing thing too. Like I, I didn't realize I have this habit, but more than well, three, four times now I've bought out homebrewers who are getting out of it just so I could get other people into homebrewing for cheap. And so, you know, I just spent two grand clearing out a homebrewer and I'm hoping to break even because I'm basically half given the stuff away. <laughs> so, but if people get into making beer and become fans of craft beer, which translates into my friend's businesses, not failing. So I'm all about it. Cheers, man. Rebels, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm going to include links in the show notes to all things Watershed Brewing, so you can find Kurt on Twitter. I'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. It's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced shows from across our province. You can find them at saspodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on the latest in Sass Craft Beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion. Rebellion.